You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. Okay, good afternoon. Let's get cracking. What we're going to try to do now is to finish off or summarize Tractate Masrot and then get ready tomorrow to start a new Tractate Maser Sheni. And I, I don't feel able to say the Hadran on, Mas, on Tractate Masrot this evening because we've really just sort of skimmed it. We've learned the first chapter and we're going to skip through the rest of the, the rest of the chapters. But I think we can touch on enough of it to get the principles. And I, we're going to learn a few selected Mishnayot from the chapters that we haven't looked at just to give us a feel for the style and for the principles. And you remember that when we began before the holidays, we talked about what kind of food was liable to Maser and when in the harvesting cycle. And we, the, the Mishnah laid out some, some really important principles that the eligibility begins when we have something that is food. It has to be food. It has to be edible. It has to be ripe enough to be edible. It has to be owned. Something that's hefka is not eligible. And it has to be grown from the ground. So that's when eligibility begins. And But the liability begins really when harvesting is complete, when we brought it, when we finished working on it. And that liability crystallizes when the food arrives in the house, when, it, when we bring it into our house, or when it, we bring it onto the threshing floor, or when we trade it, when we perform a financial transaction with it. At that point, the liability is really crystallized and we can't eat it at all without taking Marseille from it. Before then, we can snack, we can graze. And these issues are explored in the second and third and fourth chapters of the Masechet. And chapter five really deals with exceptions in boundary cases. So, for example, what happens if only some of the food is ripe? Classic case that we're going to deal with later in the Mishnah. Now, so we'll go through some of these. But let's look at let's look at these in the text, and we're going to begin with the last the last Mishnah of the second chapter about someone who's working in the fields. Haya ose bilvasim. He's working with a certain kind of fig, and in order to understand this Mishnah, we really need a pasuk from Devarim. It's actually from Kitetse. So we're going to read it in two weeks' time. Well, you'll you'll notice this pasuk in two weeks' time. Ki when you come into your neighbor's vineyard, you can basically fill yourself up with grapes. You can eat many. You can stuff yourself with grapes. But you can't carry them off in a vessel. You can't actually take them off. You can just eat while you're there. And the Gemara in Bavatra applies that to a worker who is working in the vineyard. The worker's allowed basically to eat while he's working. And the same, by the way, applies if he's if he's working in, a, in an orchard, which has got figs. But he can only eat from the figs that he's working in. So, if he's... Haya or se... He's working among cooking figs. He can't eat white figs. And if white figs, he can't eat cooking figs. But 
אבל מונע הוא, אם הוא רוצה, הוא יכול רק להחליט את ההנגה, מונע הוא את עצמו עד שמגיע למקום היפות והאוכל. הוא יכול, אולי הוא יכול רק להחליט את ההנגה עד שהוא מגיע למקום היפות והאוכל. Because these are figs, in other words, which haven't yet hit the threshing floor. He's, they are ripe, so they're in theory eligible for Marseille, but he's grazing, right? He's just grazing among the figs as he's moving through the field. Okay, what if he's got, but we, we've got these two types of figs in, in the field. What if he exchanges them with another worker? Maybe there are two kinds of figs. They're both, they're both eating figs and they swap one for another. Or these are both drying out type figs. Remember, drying figs was something that was incredibly common. We've learned about kutsiot, cakes of dried figs, an awful lot right the way through the Mishnah. It's an incredibly common way of dealing with figs at the time of the Mishnah. So, so maybe he's got figs which are... are bread for drying out rather than eating. So maybe he's exchanging drying ones for drying ones. Or maybe eating ones for drying ones. As soon as he makes the financial, he, as soon as he makes the transaction, chayav. As soon as he trades with the figs, chayav, he's liable. Because the, the conclusion of a transaction And it can be a financial transaction or a barter transaction. The Mishnah doesn't really distinguish very carefully between buying and selling for money and buying and selling for barter. It's the same, 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 same concept in, the, in, ter, in the, the life of the Mishnah. As soon as he concludes a transaction with those, fees, with those figs, effectively he crystallizes the liability to Marseille just as he would if he brought them onto the threshing floor or brought them into his house. In other words, he's no longer grazing once he starts trading. And Rabbi Yudah has a little wrinkle on this. He says, look, if you exchange for eating, you're liable. If you exchange drying figs for eating figs, which are ready to be eaten, right? The work's complete. You're liable. But if you exchange for drying figs, well, figs that are meant to be dried out, the work hasn't been completed there, right? They're, they're half finished. He's not liable. Rabbi Yudah has this little twist. I don't think the halacha goes like Rabbi Yudah, but I, I, I'm, I, haven't, I haven't shaked on this. But the principle is clear, isn't it? That grazing, once these fruits are ripe, you can graze, but as soon as you trade, you crystallize a liability, like crystallizing a tax liability in modern terms. The next Mishnah, actually, first Mishnah of the third chapter, then goes on with another type of crystallization of liability. He's passing the, uh, the figs through his courtyard to be, dry, to, be, to be dried. Again, these figs are on the way. To be dried so they're on the way to be completed they do enter his courtyard and normally when they enter the house they crystallize a liability in this case they're just not they're just part they're not really entering the house they're on the way through the house to be dried and the mishnah then goes on to talk about these workers remember that we learned about the workers in the last mishnah the workers who are able to graze while they're in the field And the Mishnah makes clear if he's not obliged to give them food, 
and they can eat and they're free. Aval im or not, if his contract with them obliges him to provide them with food, they can't eat. Because again, that if they're eating by contract, that's a financial transaction. And the financial transaction crystallizes the liability to Marseille. And in that case, they're not allowed to eat unless their owner has actually taken the Marseille from them previously. And then the Mishnah, we're going to close today. The Mishnah is then going to come back to a theme that we came across in the Mishnah of Shavit, which is that we have to be very careful who we trade with in terms of not just of the seventh year, but of course, in terms of Truma Marseille. And now you might say, look, we're very careful. If, we, if we're careful about Kashrut, then we're careful about who we buy cooked food from. You don't want to buy, or buy cooked food from someone who's Kashrut. You're not, you're not sure about. They were much more anxious, by the way, about Tuma and Tahara, or about, for the matter, Truma and Marseille. <laughs> in the time of the Mishnah, that's what they were worried about. And they were worried not just about buying, but about selling. Because if you sell produce which for which Truma and Marseille needs to be taken to someone who's not reliable, you're effectively tempting him. You're putting him in a position where he's tempted not to take Truma and Marseille. And so the Mishnah says, Lo yim kor adamet perotav. As soon as the fruit gets to a point where it's eligible, it's ripe enough to take truma and you can't sell to someone. You can't sell to someone who's not trusted concerning tithes. Just as in the seventh year, you can't sell to someone suspected of transgressing the seventh year. And the Mishnah then closes, look, you know, if some of it gets ripe, you can take what is ripe. You can make, maybe you can sell the produce which is not ripe, i.e. not liable to, uh, to Masrot, to anyone you like. So again, we're going to come back to the concept of eligibility. And that, with that, I th- we're going to close the concepts of the concepts of Masrot. And then we'll pick up tomorrow with Marcel Shane. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. <laughs>